0: Have you ever had what I would describe as a wet blanket over your mind or your heart and you're just not really sure what the hell's going on internally? Well, one reason why you could be experiencing that is because of codependency. And that's what we're diving into today is how when you get stuck in codependent loops in any relationship, it doesn't matter if it's husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, lover, friend, business partner, you name it. If you get stuck into codependent aspects, it can muddy the waters as far as your own power and your own authority. So today we dive into how the confusion of codependency can cause problems and havoc in your life, but then also how to identify it and navigate through it to reconnect to clarity. If you haven't already, I highly, highly recommend that you subscribe to the podcast because we've got some good episodes coming up. And without further ado, let's dive into how codependency creates an emotional confusion that is quite frankly frustrating. Men, we are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have death. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave we love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. Today, we get to talk about something that is, I was about to say fun, but it's not fun at all. I think it's fun to talk about. It's less fun to get caught up in, for sure, because of, well, the title itself, right? The confusion that it causes. And that is codependency. Bam. (laughs) And it, uh, I, I think it's important that we start with our definitions of what codependency is. Just so that we have a framework to work from. And if you're listening, then you know, you kind of understand the lens that we're coming from because I think that dictates a lot of people's opinions on the topic in and of itself. And we're not, just so that you guys understand, we're not breaking down all of codependency. I mean, people have written books and there's courses and there's all kinds of things we can point you to and we'll add some to the show notes. But we really specifically want to talk about the confusion within codependency and like I said, I think that that starts with the definition. So Seth, what is, what's the definition for you?
1: Well, I mean, I guess we should start off with first defining the definition or put, putting the definition out there in you know, Webster's dictionary, which says excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. So I want to define it my way, though. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it. I think it could be. It doesn't have to be just a partner. It could be two or more people. Someone, you know, a relationship that involves two or more people, where one or both partners enables the other person or another person to um, essentially cross boundaries, to violate boundaries, and instead of disrupting the status quo. Out of fear of neglect, fear of abandonment, fear of retaliation, they continue to allow this person's poor behavior um, towards them to continue. And so you stay
0: in this like- And one of the many reasons, oh, I was gonna say one of the many reasons why I love the fact that we're doing this together is because y- you have this long, detailed explanation and we were actually talking about this before the recording, which is <laughs> my definition is if you're not okay, I'm not okay. Very and simply it, put. I think that in <laughs> yeah, that encompasses uh, everything that you're saying, right? That allows me to let my boundaries be violated and opens me up for um really losing myself within the relationship. But because I'm exerting so much of my energy and effort in trying to make you okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it is it is all fear-based.
0: Right. I mean,
1: we could talk about how this this plays out in most relationships because codependency could be it could be a very large issue within the relationship, or it could be very small. But there's codependent um, tendencies in almost any relationship because we all are afraid of something. We're all afraid of being left, or we're all afraid of of being treated poorly, or or whatever it might be. And so we allow a lot of times we allow. That partner, our partner, and it could happen inside a business relationship as well. You know, we allow that person to continue to violate boundaries because we're afraid if we say something, or um, you know, bring up the fact that hey, this doesn't feel good, we're going to break up, or you're going to say something really mean that's going to hurt my feelings. And so I think it's I think it's very fear. It's generated from this place of fear that we all tend to have.
0: Yeah. And actually on that note, there are some things I wanted to talk to you about, about our business, our Mm. our marketing (laughs) business together, because
1: (laughs) now that you bring it up, I've got a few (laughs) few
0: bones to pick with you. (laughs) That's really why I brought up this topic. Gotcha. I like it. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) No, I, I I think I agree a hundred percent because fear is such a powerful emotion and I've touched on it in some in the the previous season and how it Really shuts down parts of our brains that we can't see things logically or we can't understand them. And so we can't have those conversations. Um, but specific within codependency, I guess my question to you, or maybe what we can dive into a little bit, is how, given what we're talking about, whether it is the fear or The, you know, concern for the other person or the over the unhealthy concern for the other person. I think it's totally normal and good to be concerned for the other person. How does that create confusion? Hmm. Yeah, that's
1: a, that's a good question. I think, I think that we encounter confusion when there's a lack of communication, you know, and we, why? Well, because I don't know where you're at and you don't know where I'm at. And so we make assumptions That maybe aren't accurate and then that leads to judgments which leads to resentments and so it creates this confusing space of like i don't know where you're at Uh, i don't know what you're thinking are you upset with me are you not upset are you okay with this relationship what's what's missing and so if i can't communicate my boundaries and maybe we don't even know how maybe that's something that we all need to look at is if we're never taught boundaries then how do we how do we express those in a relationship going forward if our boundaries were always crossed when we were children then how are we expecting our partner not to also you know cross those boundaries uh, because we don't even know them ourselves you know so now i'm confused on what's okay and what's not and when this continues to remain in a relationship it it doesn't get any better you know it has to be addressed um, so I'd say the confusion really starts with the lack of communication.
0: Yeah. I, you know what they say about assumptions is that sometimes you're right. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> there's, wrong. There's, uh, there's probably some statistics to of, that.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. I
0: can't be wrong. All I'll the never time. forget. I'll never forget when I was in middle school and I had a substitute teacher that wrote assumptions on the board. Right. And then underlined ass out of you and me, the whole thing. And I, I'll i never forget it because it was like, oh, a teacher swore in school. You know, that's yep. so cool. And so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to remember that. That's right. And that you teacher's know. now
1: a badass. <laughs> my favorite
0: teacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I know for me, and we may be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but for, for me, I know that in my marriage, my previous marriage, where that caused confusion was, Um, and and the codependency on my side of things was that especially towards the end of our marriage when she was going through certain things and processing them I was in a state of panic in a sense partly because I mean there was a lot of factors in play but I was trying to guess what she would need to then be okay with her process and then I lost myself within the marriage because I didn't have a voice. I didn't speak up. I didn't have those hard conversations, uh, and you know, unless they looked like blow-ups or arguments, and then apologies after the fact. And then I found myself apologizing for things that I really didn't need to apologize for. And I think that that is um, an important distinction. In, in the sense of, for me, I kind of took on the victim side of it where this is all happening to me and it's all her fault and then we get into the blame game of it. But really what it was is just codependency. But in that, I I exerted, like I said before, so much energy and effort in trying to make her okay or fix the problem or what I saw was the problem that all of a sudden I lost my masculinity. I lost my strength. I lost my voice. And... It, my voice became the victim's role, the victim's voice of essentially this is happening to me. I am powerless to be able to do anything about it. I am at the whim of, you know, whatever her decisions are. And there's definitely give and take within a marriage and within a relationship, or really give and take in any relationship that's meaningful. But when you give to the degree that you are trying to fix that person or you're stuck in this codependent status, then you really do lose your strength, which has a ripple effect throughout every area, not just the relationship itself, but at least for me with my coaching and consulting and all of that, I, I found myself you know, feeling like a fraud, feeling like I, I wasn't as strong in certain sessions because I had given up my voice. I had given up my boundaries. I had become essentially a doormat for her, not not intentionally, I don't think at all on her side of things, but, um, I had basically become the doormat that just laid down and was willing to be walked on for the sake of trying to play the victim role and for the sake of trying to figure out what the problem was so that then I could turn around and go fix it.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, there's something about, I mean, in a partnership and in a relationship, vulnerability is a scary thing. And so when we think about even sharing, uh, our needs, if we think about sharing, uh, what's okay, what our boundaries are, like we get scared, you know, and it goes back to the, the whole fear thing. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious for you, did you find it? Because I think, I mean, if, if I, I don't want to assume anything, but I feel like, I mean, you are, you kind of have a type A personality, um, on some level but i think that your your ex-wife did too and and i know mine did and so it was kind of like this like same thing and my and my wife uh my ex-wife was older than me and so it always felt like i was having to um submit strangely enough to what she wanted me to be you know to kind of conform to uh, what she expected me to be. And so there was always that like, am I okay? Or I, I should say, are you okay? Are you okay with me thinking this way? Are you okay with me, you know, doing these things? And so always trying to check in with her again to make sure she's okay, but never expressing to her the things that I need. Like, Hey, it's not okay that you, you know, raged at me like that, or you use that kind of language with me kind of thing. And so I never knew how to set up boundaries And so I go into this marriage very unequipped, ill-equipped, you know? So I think uh, where I learned it was probably from growing up, not being taught how to express boundaries or have my own boundaries. People ran all over them. And then I get into a relationship with a woman who I thought I was going to marry. And she was very good at boundaries. And she was saying, Seth, this is not okay with me. This is not okay with me. And I'm just talking about like, you know, not s- sexual or physical boundaries even, which is definitely a- an important thing, but more like, hey, your behavior or the way that you're talking to me or, you know, even um, asking me what I think about certain things. You never consider me. Those kinds of things. I'm like, when we get into a relationship, we realize how selfish we can be. And we forget that there's two people in this And we have to learn that song and dance of communication. Otherwise, it does get very confusing. I know I was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is like you said, it's you don't realize an unhealthy what an unhealthy norm is when it's your norm. You know, when you're brought up and and not that my mom is or was a type A personality. She's probably the opposite of that. But my dad definitely modeled not expressing needs and not having needs and kind of took that victim slash doormat uh role within their marriage and and so that was what was modeled to me you know and so all of a sudden when especially when you bump up against somebody who can communicate those things that's scary that's hard that's uncomfortable and we're not getting into the whole avoidance cycles today necessarily but um I that's still something that I have to choose to fight against in the sense of because it even though I know it was modeled to me, even though I know that there are unhealthy aspects of it and I'm not recreating that in my current relationship etc, I still have to consciously choose to lean into instead of away from intimacy with that person because I know that it's not just a matter of intimacy with her but it's it's also directly connected to me having a voice in, in, like I said, in so many other areas.
1: Man, that's a really good point. And I think that's, that is probably something that we all struggle with is recognizing that we have a voice and it needs to be exercised because what happens is children, you know, we're told to be seen and not heard most of the time, you know? Yeah. And so what does that communicate to us? Well, we don't have anything valuable to say we, we we're not allowed to voice our needs, um, or our boundaries. And so we go through life allowing others to just kind of run, you know, run, run over us. Um, I mean, I guess to dive in a little bit more to, to the, the dynamic of my marriage is, you know, I, I asked a woman, a single mom to marry me and she already had a life established and i'm asking her to come into you know come on to to my boat and let's sail away together but she she already had a boat that she had already built and she wasn't really to, you know really ready to abandon that and come with this single bachelor guy that has no experience with fatherhood you know and so i spent years trying to conform to who she wanted me to be and in that i silenced myself for years and yeah. we both brought baggage into the marriage but hers was always more important like her um her needs were more important because i allowed it i didn't yeah. voice i didn't speak up and say well guess what i am important too i have a voice and some of these things don't work for me either you know and yeah. so i i mean i we could look at different relationships ones that deal with addiction. I mean, maybe that's something that we should bring up right now is that we see a lot of codependency in people in relationships where one or both partners suffer from some sort of addiction. So it's kind of like, hey, you struggle with alcoholism. Well, I am going to, you know, I, I find identity in one either rescuing you in your addiction or allowing you to continue with the addiction as long as you allow me to find identity in taking care of you, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and cleaning up your mess. That's another yeah. messy looking codependent type of dynamic, but I don't know what are, I mean, yeah. what does it look like for you in what you've seen? Cause I know that you've coached people that have had similar kind of stories but I'm curious as like what are some of maybe the more extreme, and then maybe what are more of the the average that you might see day to day people's normal kind their norm in society?
0: Well, I mean, I think that the you touched on some of the extremes, which is when you get addiction involved, right? and so you have the the yo-yo effect, a very common one is um, let's just use alcoholism as an example then you know somebody gets clean and then things are great for a month, two months, three months, six months and then they relapse or they they do the yo-yo and again it goes back to as long as they're okay, right? When when you have a partner who is working through addiction then and and you're stuck in this codependent loop, then as long as they're doing okay, as long as they're taking baby steps towards something that looks like a healthier norm then i'm okay right then then i can feel at peace and at ease but the second that they start to go back towards the addiction then my whole world falls apart like what i've established internally falls apart because um then all of a sudden they're not okay they're they're now messy and and it doesn't have to look like addiction it can also look like like the end of my marriage where um you know she was just questioning things, going through spiritual deconstruction and, and questioning things and unsure of certain things. And so within that, um, you know, you have aspects where, for me, it was, if it goes back to the whole, if I'm not okay, or if you're not okay, I'm not okay, right? And And so then all of a sudden, your life and your needs and your boundaries and everything gets put on pause until that other person is okay or they're they're maybe they're not okay but they're at least propping themselves up temporarily and and then okay now we can move on with life um and then as soon as there's a misstep within that then all of a sudden that dynamic crumbles because it's not built on trust it's not built on intimacy it's not built on you know it's built on codependency and so you you know it's really hard to break that cycle, it's not at all impossible, and it's definitely uh, doable. But it is—it's—it's it's a messy process. Like I—I've had clients that I meet with where we're meeting together, and you know, they're they're talking through certain things, and they have this expectation where, okay, well, if if I meet with you for a month, especially if only one person wants to do the work, that's another big aspect. Um, but if I meet with you for a month, then things are going to be okay, right? It's like, well. No, more than likely, they're going to get messier before they get better, because if you have been married or just let's just say in a relationship, doesn't even matter if you're married or not, if you've been in a relationship for an extended period of time to confront the unhealthy norm and to establish a new healthy norm, that is not a light switch. That's not, you know, we're stuck in this microwave mentality of a quick fix or a course or a book that's just going to do the end all be all. And it may be revealing, and it may be telling, and it may point you in the right direction, but it still requires a lot of hard work. And especially for, let's say, the the person using the um, person that's struggling with addiction, for them to set a healthy boundary and then to hold that healthy boundary, that that can be harder than even setting the healthy boundary. So I would give homework to clients. You know, it's like any relationship. Well, go have this conversation and establish this boundary. And that feels scary and that feels hard and and all of that. But what you find is if you're in a codependent relationship, when you set that boundary, the other person, essentially their inner child is going to start to kick and scream and to, to try to reestablish what that norm is. And normally what that looks like is either an explosive reaction to a healthy boundary or it looks like completely pulling away stone-calling or stonewalling the other person until they you know go okay okay well i'm i'm sorry i i you know me establishing that boundary for myself that was un unhealthy for us and for our relationship so let me maybe not in these words but let me backtrack my boundary so that i can reestablish this warped sense of intimacy or or relationship with you and and so yeah it's hard that's why it's messy because you you may have to set a boundary, if especially if there hasn't been one, and then hold that boundary for an extended period of time, not for the sake of punishing the other person or trying to get them in line, but really for the sake of the relationship. Whether that's a business relationship or a friendship or a marriage, doesn't matter what it is. Um, the dynamic of of establishing that healthy norm and in both in communication and in intimacy uh, is. Is really a challenge to do because of that whole, you know, kick and scream. That again, that's that inner child. The inner child doesn't care what your mind or your logical 35, 45, 55-year-old self knows to be true. Your inner child, if there's still trauma or something that's unresolved or unhealed, or if it was the norm growing up, it's essentially going to go, Yeah, I'm really scared and I'm terrified and I'm in a lot of pain. And so I need to, wah and get that attention or that, that re-established unhealthy codependency back because that's familiar. They may even hate it, but it's familiar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, when you everything you just said, the the term that pops into my mind is maintaining the status quo, right? Whether it's in a family or just a, a one-on-one partner, a marriage, like we establish a status quo, like this is our norm, this is the way things are, don't rock the boat, right? And that perpetuates that codependence and the roles within that codependent relationship. As soon as another person begins to get healthier, begins to become more self-aware and aware of the dynamic of the relationship, that's when we start to rock the boat, you know, and that's yep. where it gets uncomfortable, like you said. And so we, we, we can either back away, we can set that line, that boundary and hold it. And get, let it be painful for both people until we equalize, or we retract that boundary and we go back to the status quo. But the the most healing, the most growth that comes in any relationship is when at least one of those people, one of the roles, takes a step in that direction by setting a line and recalibrating uh, or redefining the dynamic of that relationship. And so, I just think it's so. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, and what that does is going back to the whole confusion of codependency is when you are willing to hold that line, again, not out of punishment or retaliation, but out of health, moving towards healthy, when you're willing to hold that line, it, it empowers you. It, it gives you a sense of clarity. It gives you a sense of a voice. And just to um, not put you on the spot because we had already <laughs> talked about this, But a sense of how hard this actually is is, you know, you had talked about the fact that, you know, when you were married, you realized you were in a codependent relationship. And then that relationship came to an end. And it was like, okay, never again. I'm never again going to find myself in a place where I have given up my voice for the sake of a relationship. And then you had your shitty week. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I can't wait to get into sharing about my shitty
1: week, but before I do that, I should probably create a little context even furthermore with the the marriage because the last year or two of my, my marriage um, was like when, you know, obviously everything's coming to a head, but I'm becoming aware of the codependency. And honestly, that, that came from two things. One, it came from uh, working with plant medicine. And so, you know, we we've talked about this in the past. Like when you do work with that, it slows blood flow to the default mode network. So whenever we have those emotional, you know, stimuli, uh, or we feel uncomfortable emotionally, we have this knee jerk reaction or this default uh, reaction um, to that stimuli. And so, in starting to work with the plant medicine, I began to realize. Other responses or lack of responses that would actually lend more to the solution of whatever that issue was, right? The yeah. S- the second thing was I had read a book called *The Empowerment Dynamic*, and we'll we'll put that in the in the the show notes below. But essentially, it it showed me what it looks like to be inside of a victim mindset, and and what and and then the antithesis of that is the creator mindset, and so. I realized that even though I might not be feeling like a victim, I'm still thinking like a victim and allowing this codependency to remain in the relationship. So once I identified that and I began to take certain actions or or setting certain boundaries within my marriage, like now it's on my ex-wife or wife at the time to respond accordingly. Okay, And of course, she was not okay with that. Hopefully with most people like if you raise the bar, right? Here's two people, you raise the bar and then the other person hopefully responds in kind. That's how the relationship gets better, right? But the other person could be like, "Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not I'm not coming up to that level because it's uncomfortable. I want to keep the status quo. Maybe they have slight narcissism in their nature and they're feeling like, "Hey, I can't control you anymore." And then I know we're going to get into this in a in a later episode, but I can't control you anymore. And so now I'm going to torpedo this thing. And that is that is essentially what happened in my marriage. Is like I was ready to go to the next level and actually have a healthy marriage um, where codependency was no longer there and control and manipulation yeah. was no longer there. And she said, no, I'm out. And so that's, and then, you know, a few other things happened, but that was the, the core of what kind of finally dismantled the, the straw on the camel's back that dismantled the marriage. So and go ahead.
0: real quick on that is, you know, I, I call it the rubber band effect. It, it's mm. the same thing that you're talking about, but basically when you have two people that are at that same level or that same, same plane, when one person changes it, it's like pulling a rubber band apart and there's tension there, right? And, and so the person, the other person has a choice. Do they want to adjust? And move towards this new healthy norm or not. And using your marriage as an example, eventually, if you continue to move towards something that is healthier, and that other person chooses not to, that rubber band is going to snap. And so, you know, it's it's one or the other. That, and as long as you're willing to hold that line, right? As long as you're willing to maintain that that strength that you get from those boundaries for yourself and for your kids and ultimately for the relationship for a healthy relationship to do that requires sitting in that tension and holding that rubber band apart you know that's that's that whole dynamic of like it's so much easier just to go ah and and let some of that tension off but you know once you kind of lock into this journey of self-exploration of healing of whatever it may be, which again, plant medicine, I I feel like it's an accelerant for that, that it, it accelerates the tension or the distance in that rubber band where then the other person has to choose, do they want to let that rubber band snap or are they going to move towards whatever that healthy new norm is? Yeah. And it's, I love that you said that how plant medicine is the accelerant because I mean, we spent years
1: in this marriage hoping that something is going to change. Right. It's kind of a whole definition of insanity thing, hoping that something's going to change Went going through multiple marriage conferences and counselings and therapy and just trying everything, which I, I think is great. Like our head was in the right spot of trying to fix what was broken, but it wasn't until I started working with the plant medicine. And I truly believe that if we had worked with it together, it could have saved the marriage. That's yeah, just,
0: yeah, it's just, I feel the same opinion. way about mine.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? That's a it's a still a controversial thing. And, and she made a decision based off of how she was feeling and the facts at the time, um, the best decision that she probably felt like she could make. And so I don't fault her for that. Um, but I do believe that if we had the opportunity to work together with the plant medicine, it could have been a different outcome. Uh, but I think that as men, we also try to we want to fix things. And so I was thinking about it earlier when we were, you were talking about it too. Just as, as men trying to fix things, and it's just kind of in our DNA maybe or in, in our left brain logic way of doing things, is that we and you probably know somebody like this. Is like you know, are you okay? What's wrong? Are you? What are you thinking? You know, what? Uh, you you seem off. Did I do something wrong? You know, those kinds of things where I'm like, okay, you're not okay. I'm not okay. How do I fix this? You know? Yeah. And it and it's funny because it came up in. <laughs> my relationship with my girlfriend this weekend where we were going to dinner with her sister. And when we left the house, we're like, yay, let's go have dinner. And they took a different car. I took my car. We get to the restaurant, we sit down and it is just like crickets. Like she is non-responsive. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm looking at her going, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? What's wrong? You know, and it's just nothing. And so typically in the past, I would go, okay, you're not okay. I'm not okay. But instead, I'm like, okay, she's working through something. When she's ready to talk, she can talk, but I'm not going to force her to talk. I'm not, I'm just going to sit back and empower her to be the amazing person that she is. And when she's ready to talk, she can share. I don't need to be, I don't need her to share for me to be okay. And so I'm just yeah. going to sit there and have a conversation with her sister and let her work through her thing. Whereas in the past, I would just be like, I would be, sh- I would isolate, I would shut down because I'm thinking I did something wrong. How do I fix that? You yeah. know, because yeah, now yeah. I'm not okay. And now the whole meal is, the whole time together is going to suffer. Um, but that's not my shitty week. That's just something that I noticed this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you want me to jump into it?
0: Yeah, let's okay, do okay. it. Your shitty week.
1: So my shitty week came, gosh, what, a month ago? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And this is what it looked like. We, me and my, my girlfriend, we're, we're in a weird spot, uh, kind of missing each other, having um, maybe some communication issues or, or whatnot. And she says, hey, let's, let's take five days away, like from all communication. Okay, so no texting, phone calls, emails, no, you know, Instagram, social media responses on, on any of our stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, why? <laughs> What's going on? And um, she's like, I just, I feel like we just need to take a little time apart, to, you know, for me to, you know, uh, f- you know, figure things out with some things or whatever, just see what it's like. Of course, now I'm thinking, I'm processing this as oh crap, she's not okay now I'm not okay, but I'm said okay, yeah let's 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 do that i I'm, I'm with you. I was not with her at all. No, you this was, was not even a little <laughs> I did not want to do this at all, but I wanted to give her something that she was requesting, and I think I might have lasted about two days, maybe yeah you were you were kind of along in that process, so. I might have lasted two days before i reached out and said i can't i can't do this this is this is hard um and i'm freaking out over here and what i discovered was that even though i everything that i had learned from the dissolution of my marriage in regards to the dynamic of our relationship i still had codependent issues that were surfacing i was feeling that her pulling away it it felt a lot like the um And I'll just say, without getting into the details, I felt betrayal and abandonment in my marriage, like the way that it ended. And so in my girlfriend kind of having this pullback, it felt like all those insecurities were coming up. She's going to leave me. I don't trust that she's not going to hurt me. Um, Just, you know, the myriad of different emotions that are negative and that don't feel good. And instead of sitting in that emotion and that discomfort i ran over her boundary which was hey let's take 5 days and then we'll reconnect and i ran over that boundary with a text or uh, i think a text or video or audio or or something that i memo or something like that yeah, yeah. and my excuse was cuz of course i've got to justify the fact that i violated her boundary was i need to feel connection my need is to feel connected to you and i don't feel connected to you i'm not okay right and i don't know if you remember what you said but um, it was it was really well put it, you said Seth and 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 mind you like this was the confusion the confusion yeah. that codependency creates like i could not tell my ass from a hole in the ground because of all of the emotional confusion i had based off of these codependent tendencies and so you said Seth it looks like you're using connection which is a noble thing right connection is a good thing you're using connection as um as essentially a facade to 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 run over someone else's boundary i don't know if you remember exactly how it was put but
0: yeah it, it, it was uh, it was you're using connection as a facade um to justify your codependency justify i think is what them. i said yeah yeah <clears throat>
1: And to, and to to run over that, run over her boundary, and so once and honestly, people that have experienced this, you know, like emotions can be very intoxicating, to where you can't think straight. And this was a case of that. And I don't remember ever feeling that. In, oh, I I don't remember feeling that in a long time. And I just could not wrap my head around it because the emotion was so thick. Once I started to sober up, and I started having you, you know, and and uh, just I guess the universe speaking truth and saying this is what it looks like you're doing. You're not okay. You got this codependency thing going on. It helped to start sober me up and go, wow, that was an area of codependency that I didn't realize was still there. And I don't want that in my relationship. And I had to begin to let go. Um, cause I had wrapped up a whole lot of emphasis on our, our future relationship together. And almost like in, in a fantasy way, like I was fantasizing about our future together and now that's all crushing down, you know, coming down potentially. But if I can't give her space, if I'm going to violate her boundaries, she should not be in a relationship with me. And I had to own that and I had to apologize for it. Um, but man, it was, it got a little messy that weekend and it was rough and it was, you you remember, I was I was in a, a, a dark place for at least a week of just trying to figure yeah. that out.
0: Yeah, and the reason why we're bringing that up not as is not to pick at a scab or expose you, but more so just to show a really practical, tangible example of how hard it is to, even if you've done the work, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going backwards in the work by any means. But especially when it's modeled to you, especially when it is, it has become a norm, you can work through that and still have those tendencies. I think tendencies is a great word to use because it's not your norm, right? You, you've you actually, one of the things that drives me crazy about us as friends as well as I value so much is the fact, it is our communication just as friends and that we don't sweep things under the rug and that we call things out. And and so within that, it's it's like, well, Sidebar, you know, I think that it's invaluable, especially for men, to have other men that know them well enough and that you trust w- enough to be willing to hear that the hard truths from. I think there's a lack of that in a lot of ways right now, where it, you know, you, there's the unhealthy side of empowerment, which is, I don't need anybody. It, well, we all need somebody or some buddies, you know, two or three guys that can really speak truth into your life when you need to hear it. But the other side of it is you know and i and i also witnessed yes i witnessed the confusion and the mess and the emotion and all of that but i also witnessed where when you have that spoken out and and you kind of have that realization and then the actions that you chose to take right it's that whole rubber band effect you chose to to let off the tension in a healthy way and go oh, okay i need to own this and this and i need a point these certain emotions at myself to find out what's going on and sit in it and navigate through it and then clean up the mess that i made because i did bulldoze her boundary and so i need to apologize for that and so you know you moved through it in what i would say was a very admirable way but you it was you couldn't find that clarity to take the action to back to health while you were in the midst of that codependent tendency because if you did a you know a graph or a a Uh, an image, a landscape of your relationship. I don't know all the details, obviously, but um, it's a healthy relationship. You guys have open communication. You love one another. You're willing to express things. You give each other space, all of that. But then there is this tendency that's still present for us to kind of peel back that layer of the onion and go, oh, shit. Well, I guess that's still there. I need to work on that in me to continue to have that healthy norm and really... Um, what I ultimately desire in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think ultimately
1: the relationships are there to, to make us better people. Right. And we could have just said, okay, this is too hard. Adios amigo. Uh, We're done. But the fact that I was able to own it, call it out, not continue to be controlling or manipulative. Cause yeah. that is, that is the other, the alternative, you know, is to, to take it to the next level, uh, with the manipulation and control, but instead go, dang it. I mean, probably later, later that day after I ran over the boundary, not maybe even within the hour, I'm like, crap, I ran over her boundary and I had to reach out. and said, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to violate this boundary again until, um, you know, until we get to the end of this five days, but I'm sorry, I ran over your boundary and I owned it, you know, but it comes from self-awareness. I would not have known any of this if one, I wasn't aware of it. Um, but two, that I didn't have people speaking into my life saying, well, this is what it looks like. You know, I didn't have you go, you know, from a more objective point of view, observing the situation, go, well, this (laughs) Seth looks like you're being a, a retard." You're being an idiot, you know, <laughs> you're, you're being an emotional idiot right now. And, um, and I, and I was able to learn from that and go, okay, this is something I still have. So even it doesn't matter how much you've become aware of it or how much you've worked through it. Uh, like I thought, I was like, man, I own this codependency thing coming out of my marriage. Phew, yeah. Shit. I could talk about this, you know, and then bam, that humility smacks you upside the head and goes, no, you still got some chinks in your armor here. You need to, you need to take a look at this. Um, but I think it was also because I had that codependency caused me to attach too much, uh, to an unhealthy part of the relationship, you know, to where it was like, (gasps) I put you in the God spot. I put you in this place of like worshiping. And maybe it's not even her, maybe it's just the relationship. Like I was worshiping the the potential of the relationship, the future of the relationship. And I held it in that God spot. And then once that started to be dismantled, my identity began to be threatened. You know, yeah. so maybe that's a question for people too, is in a relationship, what is in that God spot? If everything in that relationship just was dismantled today, would you be okay? And that's a question everybody should probably ask themselves is, would I be okay? What is, what is my identity uh, grounded in? If I lost all of this, this relationship, would I be okay with me? And I think that's really important, uh, question to ask ourselves. Um, because if we are dependent on other people, instead of being independent, then we, we typically will try to leach from that relationship, something that would be unhealthy.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great place to kind of wrap things up is to. You know, one, if you find yourself in in you know this conversation, you're going, oh, well, I do that and I do that, or I don't do that, or I should do that, is let the clarity give you an opportunity for action towards whatever a healthy, a new healthy norm is, and to two, uh, give yourself grace in mm. understanding that no matter how much work you've done. It, it can still sh- rear its ugly head and we're all going to you know fall into those old traps or those old tendencies and as men, you know what does a real man do? Well he takes ownership of the mistakes that he makes. He realizes that you know hey what I did was wrong and he owns that first and foremost for himself and then owns that in whatever relationship that maybe you know he got into an unhealthy place with. And so if you find yourself being challenged by this or um, maybe realizing certain areas that you need to work on or kind of lean into it's it's not easy it's hard but that's what real men do is they do the hard things and they navigate towards what a new healthy norm is and if seth and i can do it then guaranteed as big of a mess as we were and are at times then I can guarantee that you can do it too.